Hey everybody, welcome to My Evangel Online, a safe place for everyone to explore faith in Jesus. My name is Lucas. And I'm Lisa. Welcome. And we're so glad that you're here hanging with us today. Uh, today we're going to be digging into our Christmas series, Christmas from the Sidelines. And kind of ironically, we're talking about probably one of the most sideline characters of the Christmas story, and that are the shepherds. Yeah. They weren't just sidelines of the Christmas story, but they're sidelines of society at the time. And so Pastor Marcus is going to lead us and kind of just pull some, some thoughts out of that. So we're looking forward to that. We are. And this is the last Sunday before Christmas, which is really exciting because... We are here. The countdown is almost over. If you had an advent calendar, maybe like me, you haven't eaten all the chocolates and now you can eat them. And that is great news. If I've learned anything in 2020, it's to have something that you're looking forward to. <laughs> it's true. Ahead. Otherwise, so, Christmas has been that. So we're excited. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we asked you to ask us anything. And this was one of the questions that came in. What is your favorite Christmas tradition? And being the Sunday before Christmas, we thought this would be a great day to share our mm -hmm. favorite Christmas traditions with you. I, I grew up in a uh, kind of a German influenced household. And so that meant we finished Christmas Eve service. We went home, uh, all the kids, we went to the basement and we waited for this uh, soundtrack, the ringing of the bells. As soon as we heard the ringing of the bells, we knew it was time to run upstairs and sit down in the living room. All of our gifts were set up and we'd open all our gifts Christmas Eve, which is awesome because we got to open our gifts first before anybody else that we knew. And we got to sleep in Christmas day. And so there was none of this like six in the morning. Six is generous. Okay, oh, yeah, that is generous. <laughs> 4.30 in the morning uh, craziness. So I, I feel like that's, uh, that's Christmas done the right way. But then I got married and- And now we do Christmas and, the and right I got, way. And I got vetoed. <laughs> So obviously we grew up in very, very different households and so we wanted to choose our own tradition for Christmas. And this was actually something that came out of a novel I read. And what we do is on Christmas Eve, we hide baby Jesus. We take him out of the nativity scene um, and we hide him somewhere around the house. And on Christmas morning before everything else, our kids find Jesus and it's really fun and it's getting more and more fun as our kids get older it used to be that we hit them in like the most obvious places when our kids were young it's true but now that they're like you know older like we make it hard like lucas cut the bottom of a coke can out one year and put baby jesus in like so it looked like a empty coke can but but they found they found they did find him <laughs> and not only is it great to be reminded that jesus is first but it gives us the chance for coffee because i am serious when we say our mornings start way too early on christmas morning so new parents or if you think that you might have kids one day take notes this is a good tradition <laughs> anyway we are so excited that you are here with us Well, good morning, friends. My name is Marcus. I'm one of the pastors here at Evangel, and we're so glad that you've joined us during this Christmas season. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever felt like you have been given a particular reputation that you can't quite shake? And because of that reputation, you feel excluded from a particular type or, or a particular expression of community. 
Maybe that was a reputation that you gained a long time ago when we hearken back to those uh, moments in high school or when you were younger that you were thinking like maybe it wasn't the best idea but in the moment felt right. Maybe it's that you've imposed a reputation on yourself or you feel like you need to be this. Or maybe it's a, a reputation that's good where you're known for being kind or loving or maybe even generous. But on some days that reputation, even though it's good, can sometimes feel heavy as you try and live up to the expectations that maybe you have for yourself or that people have put on you. Well, depending on what that reputation is, it can cause a lot of pain and a lot of challenge in our life. It can often leave us feeling almost like a pariah or an outcast because we've been kind of slapped on this label that we feel like we need to carry for ourselves. It's never a fun time where because of that, we, we maybe get left out of what's going on around us. I think this is kind of a universal pain that everybody has experienced one time or another in their life. But what happens when that exclusion is not just a moment or not just um, something minor, but is systemic, is widespread? Well, what happens in that case is it's a word called disenfranchisement. Feels like a long word, but basically what it means is the deprivation or the withholding of a right or a privilege for people in society. When we look at the Christmas story, we actually see a myriad of reputations spanned throughout the entire narrative there. We see the reputation of the Roman Empire bringing political and civil peace. We see the reputation of Herod and how he was so afraid that he was going to lose his power to this new king that people were pro proclaiming that he decided that he was going to cause a genocide in the nation. We see the reputation of Mary and Joseph, the unwed, pregnant, young parents. We see the reputation of Elizabeth and Zechariah, their faithfulness to God and the results that come out of it. What a mosaic of both positive and negative reputations that we see in the Christmas story. And I think it's a lot, it's interesting that the gospel writers recount uh, all of these reputations throughout the Christmas story. I think because it's so clear in the story that it actually causes us to maybe need to take a moment and consider why this is included in scripture. I think it warrants our attention this Christmas. So our series is called Christmas from the Sidelines. And we are doing this to take a look at kind of the cast of the Christmas story that are maybe uh, off to the side. There may be a supporting role. But in all of these people's supporting roles that they play, it's interesting because all of them still point to Jesus. The Christmas story does recount many reputations of the characters in the Christmas narrative, but it's not done in a way that kind of rigidly cements their reputation in history. But I truly believe that it's actually recounted in history so that it can be shown how God redeems other people's lives and how those moments can point to the, to the miracle of Christmas. When we think about the birth of Jesus, fully God and fully man, it seems like it should kind of be a miracle that's saved for only some. Maybe those whose reputation are in good standing, are doing well in society, or, or maybe those who, like Zechariah and Elizabeth, were faithful to him their whole lives. And then with others who maybe don't live up to those reputations, maybe shouldn't be included in that miracle. But that's actually not the miracle of the nativity. It's not that Jesus came for some. The miracle of the nativity is that all are welcome around it. If you still take notes, even though we're in this digital moment, 
I want you to write that down. The miracle of the nativity is that all are welcome around it. The group of people that we're looking at today has the same universal pain of kind of carrying the weight of their reputation. These people were the shepherds. So let's read together from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. It says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And when they went with haste, and they went with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that, that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all of these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much that around the nativity, around your birth, that we are all welcome around it. That there's no precursors to being invited around that, but that we can see in this story that you welcome us into that. And so we thank you for this miracle that is this Christmas. That has been Christmases before and will be Christmases to continue, that you came. God, I pray that we would be reminded in this season of that, that you are Emmanuel, God with us. I pray that you convince our hearts that we have a opportunity to do the same thing that you did at that Christmas. Jesus, we love you and we thank you and we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, shepherds in the ancient world were often the ones who had the, the really negative reputation in society. They weren't just um, a sideline group in the Christmas story or in society. They were actually a sidelined group of people like entirely because shepherds would tend to their flocks on the outskirts of town. So they wouldn't often ever even get into the city. So they were truly like the most sidelined people that you could find in society. They were kind of considered these like lawless outcasts that lived on the fringe. They weren't necessarily people that you and I would want to associate with in the ancient world, especially in that culture where uh, it, was a, it was a shame and honor based culture. To associate closely with a shepherd would mean shame for you and likely your family as well. It wouldn't add necessarily to a good standing in society. In fact, shepherds' reputations were actually so bad in the ancient world that there's um, accounts of them not even being able to give testimony in law courts because their word was actually considered so unreliable. This is what I mean when I said that this group was disenfranchised because they didn't have the same legal protections even that any other normal citizen would have. Now, I do want to say that the reputations of the shepherds in the Christmas story, specifically, have been widely debated and widely contended. Some say that they were kind of exempt from the reputation that I just described 
and other scholars would agree that they were kind of in the same standing as other shepherds. The debate kind of happens because these shepherds were particularly, uh, they were a little bit of a different type of shepherd. They were the ones who cared for the temple flock. So the priests would then make sacrifices with the lambs that they shepherded and, uh, and then gave to the temple. And so they would be part of that like altar sacrifice moment, but not in the priestly sense, but in the raising up of those animals that they did use. So whatever side you would fall on in this kind of debate today wouldn't really change much. The shepherds would still, I think, carry the weight of the reputation of their vocation as a whole. And even as the shepherds tending the flock that were for the temple, they would still be relegated to the outskirts of town. They would be isolated from the common people because shepherding really was a 24-7 job. And yet, and yet, when we look at scripture, we see that when Jesus was born, the angels first appeared to this particular group of people to announce the arrival of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Isn't it strange that of all the people that this heavenly host could appear to, they could have appeared to the Pharisees, the priests, the prominent Jewish figures, um, somebody who just had a penchant for sharing other information, but instead that they appeared to this relegated, sidelined group of people who carried a bad reputation and who were marginalized in society. Like I said before, the miracle of the nativity is that all are welcome around it. And as we look at this story, I think the announcement of this long-awaited arrival of Jesus to an unexpected group of people can actually teach us a lot about God's heart for the world and about our hearts this Christmas season. Because it can be easy when we read this story in the Bible to forget a really important piece of like the overall narrative of Scripture. When we look at our physical Bible, we know that the Bible is uh, separated into two parts. There's the Old Testament and the New Testament. So when you are working through the Old Testament, you'll end up at the very end at Malachi. And so if you were to turn to Malachi, which I'm doing right now, you would get to the end of Malachi, you would maybe turn another page, and then we're in the New Testament. We're here at Matthew, it's the beginning of the New Testament. But here's the thing, those two pages in our Bible, they actually represent 400 years called the intertestamental period. At this time, at the, during the intertestamental period, God revealed nothing new to his people. He didn't raise up any prophets, which were what he used to speak to his uh, chosen people. He was really, really silent. It would have been a time of deafening silence for the Jews. It would have been a time of great despair for them over centuries and generations of time. But we see when we turn those two pages that the intertestamental period, that 400 years of silence, begins to end when there is an eruption of God speaking to and through his people through a lot of the Christmas story. But the most important revelation and announcement from God was the birth of his son, Jesus, as the word became flesh. The promised Messiah had come and who are the first people to know after his birth? The shepherds. The shepherds. The angels bring them good news of great joy for all the people. 
It can be easy when we read stories like the Christmas story that has been read, like at least for me, countless times to kind of gloss over some of the, the important words. It's easy to gloss over that last bit. All people. Not just the religious. Not just for those with good standing. Not just the Jews who had been longing for their Messiah, but all people. All people, including the sidelined shepherds. And I think even um, in an elevated way, kind of singling out those sidelined and marginalized people was the very first announcement that Jesus had come. God proves that, that his good news is for all people immediately by choosing to announce Jesus' arrival to a group of ragtag, disenfranchised people in society. The miracle of the nativity is that all are welcome around it. That sense of valuing the marginalized in society that we see in this Christmas story didn't just happen at Jesus' birth. It wasn't just saved for the shepherds, but it's actually a common theme throughout all of Jesus' ministry on earth. He valued the woman at the well in John chapter 4 who was a Samaritan, which is like two strikes against you in that society. He went to spend time with lepers who had their own colonies outside city limits because they were, the common people were afraid of infection. He valued children which were overlooked in society. He made space for sinners and tax collectors who were like the lowest of low to not just join around the manger like we see at the Christmas story, but to join around his table as he does ministry with the people. The arrival of Jesus at Christmas wasn't just for the elite, it wasn't just for the religious, but it was actually for the marginalized, the overlooked in society, the forgotten ones, those who, are, who a society would deem so undeserving of good news, and yet who are offered it in one of the very first expressions that Jesus had come. Jesus, by coming at Christmas, he made space for all to gather around the nativity, no matter what your past is, no matter what your reputation you feel like has been labeled upon you, no matter what your standing in this society or in this world is, Jesus welcomes you today into his family and has made space for you. Yes, even you. This is truly the miracle of the nativity is that even though none of us, there are none of us here that deserve to be welcome around this miracle, but that Jesus by his grace says, you are welcome here. The Christmas season, as we, as we know, is, is a time to celebrate with our friends, to celebrate with our family, to gather together um, with those we know and love and who know us. But here's the thing that I think we sometimes miss out on in the Christmas season. I think we miss out on part of the meaning of Christmas if we ourselves don't make space around the manger for those in our society today who are marginalized, who are disenfranchised, who are forgotten or overlooked like Jesus did. Are we willing this Christmas season to cross the same lines that Jesus did to include people in community and to share the good news with them? Are we willing to cross maybe the line at the expense of our reputation? Are we gonna cross that line at the expense of um, family saying, well, should you really be associating with those people? 
Are we willing to cross those same lines that Jesus did at, at, even at his birth by allowing for all people to be around the miracle of Christmas? Now I realize, as I'm saying this, that while that, that we're in the middle of COVID, that we have some of the most uh, heavy restrictions, at least in BC, that we experienced since our initial lockdown. But I don't think this allows us to pass this Christmas. God calls us to announce the good news of Jesus to all, regardless of what is going on around us. It's not the message that needs to change in this season, it's the method. Do we create space around the nativity in our lives too. For that uncle who is a bit controversial, who says those things that cause people to gasp, we all have one. Is it, do we create space around the nativity for that particular group in society that maybe we've typecasted or that society has kind of typecasted and put labels upon? We see through the shepherd's story that Jesus makes space around his nativity even for them. And if Jesus does, then so do we this Christmas season. So are you willing to cross the same lines that Jesus did to share the good news of his arrival with the marginalized, with those who are far from uh, the normal of society? Because I think this is one of the true meanings of the Christmas season. But I think this season will require us to be creative in how we do this, at least this year. As we submit to this, the wisdom of our local health authorities, as we continue to operate in the restrictions that are placed upon us for our safety and for others, we need to maybe be creative in this season. I can't say that I have all the answers of how to include people around the nativity during a COVID Christmas. But I do think that something like a quick smile, even with just your eyes, a hello, sending a greeting card to that local business that you love, saying that you're praying for them and that you're with them and that you're supporting them, helping out that neighbor in a safe way for them and for you with that project that they need help with. Or maybe even allowing space for that weird uncle that has those controversial uh, things that they like to say, to give them space to share and to actually listen while you're in a family Zoom call together. We have a tremendous opportunity to invite people into community with Jesus at the center so that they can experience the good news, which brings great joy to all the people this season. And as I'm saying this, if you guys have suggestions of how you've kind of created community around the nativity as you've invited all of those people who maybe don't even look like us or speak like us or, or have the same values as us around the table, please let us know in the comments. We would love to kind of get a little bit of a brainstorm right now of how you guys have done that because we'd love to kind of learn from each other to suggest some ways that we can be creative together. But as we invite the marginalized in society around the nativity, what happens? Well, we see in the response of the shepherds what does. It's found in Luke chapter 2, verses 15 to 16. It says, When the angels went away from them into heaven after declaring the good news, the shepherds said to one another, Let's, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known, known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. This response, when we read it, kind of just seems natural. Like, of course, out of their curiosity of this like crazy moment of these angels in the night like coming to visit you, um, of course you would maybe go see if this was true. But this has more meaning to it when you think of the life of a shepherd. 
Like I said earlier, a shepherd's job is 24-7 and also 365 days of the year. If the sheep are unattended, then they're at risk of basically everything. Sheep are not very like robust animals. They're going to be at danger of falling or getting stuck or running off or getting lost or being attacked by a wild animal and being eaten. And so this, the role of a shepherd is a 24-7 every day of the year kind of moment. And so the response to this good news is that with haste, the shepherds left their livelihood and their previous duty to, to see if what was said is true. The good news that we receive at Christmas requires a response from us. As those exploring faith to maybe leave behind some of the things that we know or that we are doing right now and explore if this Jesus is really who he says he is. For those of us who are believers, to have the same sense of urgency to share the good news with others. Because I really believe that the, the miracle of the nativity is that all are welcome around it, but I also believe that all are transformed by it. Not because of the event itself, but because of the person that we find in the manger. No longer did these shepherds have to carry that weight of their reputation on their shoulders because this was no longer what they were going to be defined by. Jesus transformed their story and he can transform our stories as well as he redeems our past and gives us a bright future. Jesus actively rewrites the story of our lives and brings good out of it. So today, do you feel the weight and shame of your past, of your, of your reputation like the shepherds in this story? Is it something that clings to you, that you feel like is pasted on you, that you can't quite rip off? Well, can I tell you today that as we are invited around the miracle of Jesus coming, that we see that he is the only one who can redeem our identity so that it's no longer wrapped around those things, but is instead wrapped around his love for you. This was true of the shepherds' lives as well. Remember at the beginning when I said that shepherds were considered unreliable, that they were not able to testify in a court of law. Well, scripture shows kind of the redemption that Jesus brought to their story when we see what the shepherds do after they visit and see that this Jesus is really who he says he is. It's found in Luke chapter 2, verse 17 to 18. It says, And when they saw him, which is Jesus, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. If the shepherds were known over time and over society's belief that they were unreliable and essentially unbelievable, then their testimony about Jesus shouldn't really have much of an impact. In the same way that their, their testimony would be unreliable in a court of law, I can't expect that before, all of a sudden at this moment, that they would have a, a testimony that would be believed. And yet, scripture reports that people wondered at the shepherd's testimony. They didn't balk at their, the shepherd's testimony. They didn't reject at the hearing of the shepherd's testimony. They wondered with this sense of awe and with this sense of longing. I love this picture because I think it speaks to the redemption that Jesus brings to their reputation, their past, and even their future. Because it no longer needed to hold power over them. And even greater than that is that their account was heard and it was one of the first testimonies of Jesus that was heard and believed that began a spread through the Roman Empire and then ultimately the world. 
No longer were they disenfranchised. No longer were they displaced because Jesus valued them. He made space for them around his nativity, around Mary and Joseph, his mother and father, his earthly mother and father, to be included there, regardless of their past, regardless of what people thought of them. The shepherd's response to seeing Jesus was to rejoice. It was almost like uncontainable. After they like saw this, they, they, they rejoiced. They couldn't even hold it in. They rejoiced because after 400 years of God's silence, he not only spoke to his people, but he sent the good news of the promised King Jesus first to a group of disenfranchised rejects of society. I want you to, to remind you that these shepherds uh, likely oversaw the temple flock. We talked about that a little bit in the debate. These were the sheep used for temple sacrifice. And I think this, this whole idea here paints such a great picture. The shepherds who had been protecting and caring for the sacrificial lambs of a broken religious system now could look down upon the perfect sacrificial lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. And they had a front row seat to it. The very thing that they had been laboring under in their vocation, the reputation they chose to bear on their shoulders of being shepherds, now had an incredible purpose as Jesus fulfilled this laboring. I wonder if Jesus was revealed first to the shepherds because in raising up the sacrificial lambs at the temple, they actually had the closest and clearest picture up to that point of who Jesus was and his purpose on coming to earth. Their role and their vocation was now used for something much greater than they could have ever hoped for in their lifetime. Matthew 5 verse 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom of heaven. Do you maybe feel like those shepherds who are poor in spirit today? Would you find yourselves of one of the, as one of those people who are marginalized or rejected from friends or family or society? I want you to, under, to know that, that Jesus deeply understands your situation. He was somebody who was marginalized during his birth. There was no room for him in the inn. But he is also the one who invites you into a community where he is the center at the miracle of the nativity. He is the one who can redeem your story too. Your story, your purpose, your testimony can be redeemed in whole power as we point towards Emmanuel, God with us. You don't have to remain chained to your past or to your reputation, but by discovering who is at the center of that nativity, we can experience the transformation that he brings and our testimony can speak to that redeeming power in our lives and it can spread across our friends and family. Well, what I love about the Christmas story is that it just has so many chaotic parts. It has so many people on the sidelines. It has all of these like working parts that just seem like wild. And yet all of it is redeemed as it points to Jesus, the Prince of Peace. If you are feeling a little bit sidelined this year, whether that's your past or current situation and reputation, whether that's the displacement that we've all felt because of COVID, or maybe it's something else that you're working with or through right now, this actually might be the exact spot in the same way that was in the shepherd's lives where, where God can meet you with the good news that pulls you out of where you feel like you are stuck 
and that can be used to invite others around the miracle of the nativity as well. Perhaps the place that you feel stuck in or sidelined to will be the very place that God meets you with his good news to bring you from that displacement into his family, a community that is full of people who love God and who love others. That in the chaos of the Christmas story, the whole of the empire traveling, Jesus being born in the stable because there are no room in the end, all of the visitors at Jesus' birth, they're fleeing to Egypt after persecution began to happen, that the Prince of Peace is at the center of it, bringing meaning and purpose to those things that we maybe feel is just a normal, mundane part of life. This Christmas is gonna be different. It's really gonna be one for the books. But in the midst of it, we still have the opportunity to be like the shepherds who still rejoice as we remember the good news of the nativity, as we remember the good news of Jesus. You know, I've been thinking a lot about the song, O Holy Night, and in particular, there's one verse that I've been thinking about a lot during this season. It says, the thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Friends, our world is weary right now. It's weary. There are marginalized people who are weary right now. More than ever, I think this season is an opportunity to share the thrill of hope with all people this Christmas. Even that person that comes to mind that maybe grates against you. Because in some way, we've actually all been sidelined this season. And yet we have the hope of Jesus today that we don't have to remain there, that we can elevate people by valuing them and loving them and seeing them this Christmas season. Goodness knows the world needs it right now. So can we be a church that makes space for all around the nativity so that we can share in the miracle of this season? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much that your the miracle of your coming is for all people to experience. God, I pray that if there are those people in our lives who maybe we grade against, or those people that come to mind that are maybe somebody who had been sidelined, God, I pray that you would just put them on our hearts so that we can minister to them this Christmas, so we can hear them and see them and show that they are valued, that there is space around community for them, regardless of their past, regardless of their even their present, regardless of um, all of those things that should disclude or exclude all of them. God, I pray that we would be people who open our arms wide this season, that would allow space around the nativity, just like you did for us this on that first Christmas. God, we thank you so much that you have given us a place of meaning and belonging in your community and in your family. I pray that we would continually be people who invite people in to that same sense of community with you. May you be at the center of everything. We thank you that you are the thrill of hope for our weary hearts today. We love you and we pray us in your name, Jesus. Amen.
what a great reminder that everyone is welcome around the nativity. Everyone is welcome to have a relationship with God and your past is not a hindrance to that. So thank you, Pastor Marcus. We have a few announcements for you. Starting this afternoon, our staff is going to take a much needed rest, but um, we will have a select amount of hours open this coming week. So before you decide to drop in, make sure that you head over to myevangel.church to find out what those office hours are and to arrange your visit um, to coincide with that. Tomorrow morning at 7.30 a.m. is our last Advent video. So thank you so much for joining us in this uh, month of preparation for the arrival of Jesus. And I hope you'll tune in with us tomorrow and make that part of your devotions. We also have Home for Christmas, our Christmas Eve service coming up this very week. So make sure that you are following along on our social media feeds this week for some fun as we count down, but also for a giveaway and some extra content that we will not get into too much so we don't ruin the surprise, but we would love to see you online 6.30 on December 24th. Have a great week, friends.